Give the gift of sustainable ambition this holiday. During this season, on my website, I'm offering 25% off both the Sustainable Ambition Workbook and Planner and my little book of curiosity. The Workbook and Planner is great for those who like to plan and appreciate structure. You can use the planner to help make the integration of life and work more sustainable. It helps you prioritize your life and work ambitions for the year, create your personalized sustaining plan, and track your progress throughout the year. The planner can also be something you use with friends and colleagues to help support each other and provide accountability. I offer a guide to facilitate those conversations. This could be right for you or for those in your life. My little book of curiosity is perfect for anyone wondering what might be next for their life or work, or for those who want to stay on a growth and learning curve and remain engaged and ambitious from decade to decade. It's the perfect small fun gift for any holiday celebration. You can learn more at sustainableambition.com books. That's sustainableambition.com books. Happy holidays. Welcome back to the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Onetto. Today, I have what I think is a special episode. It was special for me, at least, because my good friend, Sonia Thomas, came on to guest host and interview me while also generously sharing her own journey with ambition, being ambitious, and navigating career pivots. To share a bit about Sonia, Sonia Thomas is the founder of Maven Co., a boutique marketing and strategy consultancy based in San Francisco. Sonia has held senior leadership roles in both nonprofit and for-profit sectors and now dedicates her time to supporting women-owned and values-driven organizations. Sonia's passion for business and marketing began at the University of Virginia, where she holds an MBA from the Darden School of Business. A native Southerner, Sonia is proud to live a bi-coastal lifestyle, splitting her time between the East and West Coast. That's just like our prior guest in episode 120, Amy Bonzel, who lives between two locations. So interesting. So in this episode, Sonia asked me about the origins of sustainable ambition, how it's changed over time, what I really mean by ambition and sustainable, and then what sustainable ambition means to me personally. And again, as I said earlier, she also kindly shares parts of her own journey, being vulnerable and allowing us to learn from her own experiences as well. I just love being in conversation with Sonia. She's really one of my favorite people, and I think you'll find she is an excellent interviewer. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation where the tables are turned. And with that, let's turn the mic over to Sonia Thomas. I'm thrilled that you were willing to do this with me. So thank you for being here. <laughs> I'm so thrilled. I, I, I feel like it's a real privilege because I, we are friends. I've had the chance to observe sustainable ambition from the very beginning when you were just like, hey, I think I want to launch a podcast. What do you think? And, you know, time really flies because you just hit 100 episodes this year. I mean, that is a lot of work, Kathy. <laughs> it is such a thrill that you were able to cross 100 episodes. Can you tell me a little bit about what you learned this year from the, from all the episodes? Gosh, you're taking me back, Sonia, because you're right. Before I even started the podcast, you and I were talking about how do you start a podcast? What resources do you need? How do you pull things together? So that's that takes me back. It does kind of remind me how... Far I've come actually since that time. So I think how I'd answer this is that I feel like I've deepened learning in kind of some core areas. So one of those is just going deeper on how do we really define success for ourselves and how can we do it on our own terms? And I just had some really great conversations this year, like in episode 112 with Irina Smith or episode 110 with Sabrina Moyle, who you know. There were just some really great conversations with people about how do we define success for ourselves and how can we step outside of the traditional ways that we typically do that using external measures of success. So that was one area. Another that I really wanted to get deeper into was exploring ambition. And 
You know, I had one episode, episode 117 with Rainsford Stauffer, who wrote a book about ambition. And so that was really great to kind of go deeper into that topic and through the lens that she had really done her her research and her reporting. But then I had a couple of um, academics on as well, where I admitted on those episodes that I kind of geeked out with these professors who are just you know, really um, accomplished in their research and to learn more about how they both think about motivation and values and how that relates to ambition was really thrilling. And then I think the other areas that really were interesting to me, of course, part of sustainable ambition for me has been exploring how do we navigate careers over time? And I just really loved some of the um, conversations that I had with folks on in that space as well. Episode 119 with Doug Milliken and 118 with Karen Flynn. Um, So those were really great. And then two that also fell in that space, but then spurred this interest area of mine that I've been exploring of late. Um, Those were episodes 107 with Darcy West in episode 108 with Charles Gilbert. They're a married couple and they've retired. They're in their next stage and how they're continuing on with their ambition. But what they really sparked for me was this exploration around performance. And it's something that has held my attention as something that I'm continuing to explore as I explore speaking and taking a training around that. So there's been definitely a lot of different growth areas. Um, And then I'll just mention really briefly, you know, of course, there were some episodes importantly about like, well, how do we support ourselves? How do we sustain ourselves? So some great episode and learning in that space as well. You've interviewed so many different people, right? Professors, coaches, entrepreneurs, everyone. I want to get an understanding of when you first started Sustainable Ambition and where we are now, how has your understanding of Sustainable Ambition evolved over time? One of the things that's really become apparent, and I think I have may have shared this on the podcast before, but Sustainable ambition as a term is very multi-layered. I think when I started this, I had some thoughts about what it was. And I, of course, put a framework around it and I continue to do that. But I think as I continue on and speak to others about it, I recognize how complex of a topic it can be or how multi-layered it can be and how the term itself can really take on many different meanings for people. And frankly, I'm somebody who likes complexity, so I kind of like that about sustainable ambition. But even so, I still think a, a lot of the roots of what I meant by sustainable ambition still kind of are there, you know, in terms of re-looking at how we look at success re-looking at how we define ambition. I think that piece was probably more narrow. And again, it continues to get deeper in terms of how I think we need to relook at ambition. Um, I think this also was much more rooted in like, well, how do we navigate our ambition in our career? And yet, I think I knew this for myself, but in that redefining of ambition, I think part of it was really unpacking that more and being like, ambition does not just apply to our work. It applies to anything we might want to do. And even recognizing for myself, I've always had ambitions outside of work, frankly, most of the time that were even more interesting to me or were pulling my attention and attracting my energy more than even my work. And yet I still was interested in my work. And so understanding that broader view of ambition. And then I guess the final thing I'll say, and maybe this seems counterintuitive to some folks, that I think the aspect of really sustaining ourselves, building resilience, I think has been a bigger component of this than I think I realized when I first started. I really want to dig into the complexity. Like I want to unpack all of that today. I want to talk about what it means to be sustainable. I want to know what it really means to be ambitious. But I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't talk about feeling like 2023 was the first year outside of COVID, right? So at it's the end of the year, depending on when you're listening, but it is the end of the year right now. And I get very reflective at the end of the year. I start thinking about what do I accomplish? Did I accomplish what I thought I accomplished? I don't necessarily set re- resolutions anymore. 
but I do get very reflective at the, the end of the year. And I feel like this was the first year where we all came out of COVID and we started going back to work in whatever form that looks like, whether it's hybrid, in-person, straight from home. And I wanted to understand as you were talking and learning and researching, what did that feel like for people? And what did you learn when people had to go back into the world after COVID and talk about their ambitions and what that meant and how that changed for them? That's a really interesting question. I've sensed a couple different things. One is, you know, during the pandemic, everyone was like, I'm over my ambitions, right? Like, screw ambition. (laughs) (laughs) And I think as we are coming out, you're here having people more so kind of say, I want to reclaim my ambition. How do I do that? So I personally feel like sustainable ambitions, this is its day, right? Um, there is such a thing, and, and some researchers talk about this, like like a U-curve of ambition, and that, you know, if you have too little ambition, you know, you're not going to flourish. And if you have too much ambition, or you're too ambitious, you can um, step into unhealthy kind of ambition. And so getting it just right, I think is important. And so I don't think, you know, you kind of have folks out there that are kind of like, screw it all, you know, and you also then have people that are still a little bit of like lean in completely. And I don't think either of those are really the going to be healthy places to, to kind of root our ambitions. So I do think coming out of the pandemic, people are trying to find their way. But then I, what I would also say is that, I've thought this for some time, that we are all continuing to recover from the pandemic. The pandemic is not over. I think people are still exhausted from what transpired and from all the change that has happened. And then what's continuing to happen is that there continues to be instability on so many levels from you know the new war that is taking place now, unfortunately, to just the kind of anxiety about, well, AI, and what is that going to do to my work? And so a lot of things are shifting on us. And I think that adds to the stress that people are, are likely feeling. And then even, you know, we don't really know what we're doing with hybrid work. So there's added pressure there. Life has somewhat gotten back to normal too, right? And so that's adding some additional pressures. So I still think it's a little unstable for people around this um, in terms of kind of wanting to step into ambition, but also still still feeling like they don't perhaps have the energy or, uh, to do that or and or don't know a way to do so sustainably. I think you were talking about how you came into sustainable ambition with one sort of definition of what it could be. And you've heard and you've learned all of these growth areas as you've talked to people and understood where they're coming from when it comes to sustainable ambition. And I'll say for me that I'm a type A person. (laughs) I'm a type A president of this, leader of that. And I feel like there is a weight around the word ambition. It just feels heavy because I was kind of taught to be ambitious, to go all the time. And I think you remember, we've been through so many pivots for me as a person (laughs) in my career. (laughs) And I remember very much so that I had a time where I actually hit a wall and I could not go forward. And I was making great money. I was doing the job that I wanted to do. And I got to what I felt like was the top of this ladder. And I just couldn't go forward anymore. And I remember talking to you about it. And shortly after we did a workshop together where you were like, let's go talk about our ambition decade to decade. And I looked at you and I said, I cannot do it. I cannot think about the next decade when I can't think about the next month in front of me. And I want to say that you were so helpful to me in helping me define what ambition meant for me, right? And my mom told me the other day, you can climb up a ladder and get all the way to the top of that ladder and realize that your ladder is against the wrong house. And I think that's what happened to me. And I want to understand from you, Can you tell me a little bit more about how you think about ambition and kind of take the weight of it off and move away from what people think ambition should be and defining it for themselves? So 
I, I could have chosen a, a different term. <laughs> you know, there's a part of me that's kind of like, huh, why did I kind of like land on ambition? And and there are some reasons, but I will probably just honestly say it's a bit serendipitous. Now, but when I, having researched it and talked about it and thought about it, right, there are two separate ways that I think about it. One is there's, you know, the adjective or a character trait, you know, where it's like, is someone ambitious? And at least the research that I've done suggests that researchers say like, look, it's a human trait. And also other academics have said like, we humans are goal oriented. We want things and we go after them. And so it's just to suggest that ambition and being goal-oriented can take on a lot of negative connotation within our society at times. And so, you know, what I like to say is I don't want it to just be like it's all bad. Being ambitious and being goal-oriented actually is good. Having goals and striving for something actually does contribute to our fulfillment, our satisfaction, to our flourishing. And so to consider that all ambition is bad, I just don't think is accurate. Then you can also talk about ambition, the noun. And when I talk about ambition in that way, I I use it interchangeably with goals, honestly. And so I also just think about it as being goal oriented. You know, I guess where I go around ambition is I say right ambition, because I think what can help us is when we can orient as much as we can within the external structures we have to operate within, within this world. I think ambitions can be more um, motivating or more fulfilling and satisfying when we can orient them more towards ourselves as opposed to being externally driven. And so that's where I point people is how can we align our ambitions more to what truly motivates us so that we're motivated to put in the energy And yet, Sonia, you brought up something really important, which is, you know, sometimes we go after things that we think we want, and then we get to a certain point and we realize, oh, (laughs) is this what I want? And (laughs) you've experienced that. I've experienced that, right? Yeah. And it can be really painful, right? And yet, I also, I guess, want to try to take away some of the tinge of hurt around that or because you can't take it away completely, you know, but it's but it's more about the for me, what's important or what I, I would hope is to take away some of the almost like guilt or sometimes we we get upset with ourselves for having done that. Ooh, I made the wrong decision. Oh, I went the wrong way. And I guess for me, what I hope is that we can be a bit easier on ourselves and to say, we made the best decisions we could. We learn by doing. We change over time. So who knew that we were going to get there and recognize like, oh, this isn't what I want. And so we're all on a learning journey. That's what our life is. And so to take these moments where we have these realizations and just to just go a little bit easier on ourselves um, and recognizing that this is where we are now. We made the best decisions we could. And now with the information that we have, how do we, you know, like you're using the metaphor your mom used, how do we take that ladder? And by the way, all that stuff that you, you know, did climbing that ladder doesn't, you hold on to that and you take it with you to the next thing and where you want to prop it next. I love that. I think what you're saying is it's just really important to give yourself a little bit of grace. Yes. That you're trying really hard. You're doing all the things in the moment that you think are the best things for you. And sometimes you learn, you grow and you change. And I really love that you said ambition as a noun and ambition as an adjective. I was ambitious as an adjective in that my ambition was tied up in my personal identity. I was an ambitious go-getter person. And so when I got to the top of that ladder and I realized this has been great, but the season has gone and it's gone and I'm ready for a new season. But who am I if I'm not an ambitious person? Who am I if I'm not the person leading at the front of the pack? And I had a real crisis. And I think what I am learning here is that there's also ambition as a noun. Like you don't have to be tied up and being ambitious as a person. You can be goal oriented. And then now 
right? With right ambition, you have to be able to figure out what does ambition mean to you from your goals? And mine has changed so much over the last decade because I've redefined it's not who I am. It's just who I want. It's the things that I want to accomplish. And I want freedom over my time. I want to hang out with my grandmother. I want to go on vacations. And those can be ambitious goals. And so I really thank you for saying ambition as a noun and ambition as an adjective, because that's that cleared up so much for me just right there. That's great. And yet what I also also say, Sonia, is like um, being your friend and watching you is like, I would just say you're ambitious about different things and you just articulated it, which is I would say you're pretty darn ambitious about how you want to control your time and where you want to put your time. And that to me is sustainable ambition. That to me is you defining what's important to you. And, you know, Rainsford Stauffer talked about this and I agree with it, which is again, allowing ambitions to be more than just about what we're doing around what we traditionally think around work or accomplishing from a societal perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what I hear you saying is there are things that are really important to you, to you personally, and that contribute to you as a holistic individual, and you're honoring that. And I had to let go of all ego, right? So I had to choose between what the world thought of me and what I think of myself. I have to choose. And it hurts. It hurts a lot sometimes. Because you, you know, we both (laughs) went to business school, and you look at business school classmates, you look at the person who started at the same time as you at your job. And you go, oh, they got promoted. They're doing this. They're VP of that. And I had to realize I could be doing those things, but I don't want to be doing those things. And is that okay? And having to let go of all the ego around comparing myself to other people. And what you're saying is, you know, societal pressure will be that thing that kind of keeps you on this path that sometimes you don't want to be on. So What do you think about or talk about a little bit about that societal pressure and how to let it go? You know, I'm just going to be honest, like it's not easy and it will come back around and around. And that's because of we're humans and the reality that we are influenced by our environment and by society. And we need to operate within the societal structures. It's just a reality. You know, unless we want to go be individuals and go living on an island by ourselves, the reality is we do need to function within it. And so I think it, I'm not saying it's easy, but I, my hope is that by at least getting clear on who we are and what we want, and if we can root in some of that, that it's a place to ground ourselves. And I will just say for myself, Mm -hmm. this is a continual thing that I have to work on. It is a practice and it is a letting go and it is a stepping into and a reminder, you know, when to, to root in like what's really important for me. And so, you know, one of the things that I have people do is, is define their own success metrics, or I have people get clear on what their motivators are. And it's within that, that one can start to define some of those success metrics. And I look back at that on a continual basis, you know, so when I'm feeling some of that outside pressure of kind of like, well, I haven't done this, this, or this in comparison, I come back to, well, who am I what do I want? What's important to me? What's my vision for myself? What are my values? Am I giving and contributing in the way that I want? Am I doing things that fuel me and that I love? It's coming back there that it can help ground me. Um, but you know, that societal pressure for, be- you know, it's, it's, I'm going to say for better or worse. I don't know if it's better. It's, I don't, th- I don't know that it's all bad, honestly, actually. I, and, and also I'll take it as societal guide because I do say there is that pressure But, you know, I I talk about, and I've probably talked about on the podcast before, but this idea that there are adult stages of development and that it's very normal for us to use societal guides to, to help us know what are we supposed to do? Where, you know, what are ideas of what we might be able to do out in the world? And as we're, you know, learning about ourselves and able to better navigate that, you know, it's, it's okay. I think this is my opinion. It's okay to use the societal guides, right? Um, But best if you're within that aligning to oneself as best as you can. And what does your 
practice look like? Because you said it's a practice. And I want to know how I can build a practice. I feel like I might have one, but I'm not sure. I'm very much a list maker. I like to write things down each month and go, what did I accomplish this month? In terms of what I wanted to do, I'll make a short list just on the back of an envelope or in a um, notebook. And so I would love to know what your practice looks like because everybody's busy and everybody's going to say, that sounds great in theory, (laughs) Daddy. But what does your practice look like and how do you make it something meaningful and not too onerous for yourself? Like, oh, here's another thing I have to add to my list. Build a practice. (laughs) What What does it look like for you? I come at practice around sustainable ambition in a couple different ways. One is just hey, if I'm experiencing some angst around something, it's really more in that moment. Okay, how can I ground myself? How can I use some of these philosophies that I have around sustainable ambition to calm myself down, to quiet that angsty voice, you know, that's in my ear? So that's one thing that's a practice, which is just to call upon it when it's helpful for me. The second is you know, that's a similar thing, but on the sustainability side is, you know, even just asking myself, which I'll credit my coach, Pam Slim for this, you know, she will coach me on Kathy, well, what's the sustainable ambition way here? So now that's become a mantra for me, which is, okay, if I just pause, and it's kind of like, how do I do what's in front of me in a sustainable ambition way, that gets me to pause and reflect and kind of think about, how I make it more sustainable for myself. So that's something that I can just do in the moment. The other thing that I've done, and I, you know, so I have a workbook and planner, and I will admit, like, last year, I was using it pretty regularly, and almost every day kind of checking off on certain things that on the things that are in there and practicing with it. And I will just say that each of us is going to be a little bit different. I'm pretty you know, I'm kind of an achiever oriented, get stuff done kind of person. So I don't need as much help in terms of like, am I on track? But then again, I do have some practices where I am pausing at times and kind of thinking, am I putting my attention where I need to? Do I need to shift things? Or, you know, as I shared on an earlier episode, just a few episodes ago, you know, I had a full summer, like, sometimes I do really have to pause and kind of say, how am I going to pace my work so that I'm not overwhelmed? How do I pace this so that I don't overstretch myself? So those are some of the ways that I kind of pull on these tools to kind of make it a little bit more of a practice. This is great because what we're talking about now is how do you sustain that ambition? And so I really want to pick apart sustainable, right? What does sustainable mean? And I will be honest that I'm I'm the first person to go down to the gas station and buy a lotto ticket. I'm going to go buy that lotto ticket. I'm tired. I want my billion dollars. I want to go sit and be a lady of leisure. And then even backing down from that, I want to be, why can't I take a sabbatical? You know, why can't I take some time off? Why can't I'm mentally tired? There's people who are just, you know, physically tired. They've been on the same track for so long and they've never had a chance to go, you know, can I reflect on this? Can somebody just give me a beat to just try something different? And you might not have the ability to do that. So then you hear things like quiet quitting. And I know that's a loaded word, right? Like quiet quitting. And one of the things I appreciated when we were talking one time in your workshop was you said, well, if you don't want to talk about sabbaticals and quitting and all the things you talked about a purposeful pause, right? And that was like, oh, you're giving yourself permission to just pause. But in many ways, it feels like pausing and ambition are on opposite sides of the coin and they, they're they they're fighting each other. So can you talk to me a little bit about the purposeful pause and what it means to even pause within an ambitious um, track that you might be on? Yeah, this is a great question. I mean, for me, I don't see sustainability and ambition as being at odds, which I know is what you're asking me. And so I'll say more. So I like to say, like, if we're going to stretch and strive, we need a plan to sustain ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that sustaining of ourselves is rooted in taking breaks and pauses. And I think that 
fundamentally, I really believe that being ambitious should not be about driving all the time. Or said another way, going after our ambitions, if I use the noun, <laughs> shouldn't be about driving all the time. And others, you know, re- reflect on this too, or use this analogy as well that I'm that I'll bring up, which is this idea of periodization, which is um, a, a tactic that athletes use to train, where they do periods of hard work and then they have periods of rest. And I really believe in that. I think that we do need downtime to actually optimally perform. And so this research kind of hints at that, you know, ambition does get us some of the things that we want. And yet people that are overly ambitious to start to go into that unhealthy striving, unhealthy ambition, you know, tend to not be as happy in their lives long term. And the hypothesis is that it's because they've not put time and attention toward things that contribute to their happiness, overall happiness. So for example, we know that, you know, based on the Harvard longevity study that relationships is the number one thing that contributes Mm. to people's happiness long term. And so, you know, it could be that they are investing in, in their ambitions around work, say, and not investing time in their relationships. And there's a detrimental effect because of that. So I personally just think breaks are just really critical to actually allowing us and giving us the energy and having the effort to actually optimally go after our ambitions. And when you say break, what I think for me a break, because I am, I feel like I'm a person who likes to be productive, right? So for me, a break might not be a complete vacation, but it could be a pivot to a new focus area for ambition, right? And I think when we talk about ambition, there's a couple of things. I think ambition can sometimes be synonymous with productivity, so you always have to be going. And so to be able to break that in your mind and go, it's not, I don't have to be going all the time to be ambitious. And I think the second thing that we often define ambition around work and what you're saying is ambition can be on any facet of your life. It can be around relationships. It can be around hobbies. It can be around, you know, free time. And so I would love to hear you talk a little bit more when you are interviewing people or coaching someone when they say, I want to be ambitious, but I also want to have hobbies. I also want to take breaks. I also want to do these things. How do you help them define their own personal values and help them redefine what ambition means and how they sustain it? There are a few things that I do with coaching clients or even that I'm writing about in the book that I'm working on. For example, starting with, well, what is even your vision for your life? And I know that sounds big and lofty, but there's ways to kind of get at that and to kind of unpack that and to work with people, especially in a coaching relationships, to start to uncover some things that might be important for them. So one of those is just to kind of really do a more free form visioning around what do you want for for your life that includes life and work in that. And so when people do that, you start to uncover, you know, having ambitions and goals and starting to see them differently. It was really interesting, actually, also in one of my workshops this summer to have one of the participants say, like, wow, even just identifying life ambitions versus work ambitions was a big aha for her. And she was like, that was radical, actually, to be able to claim life ambitions alongside work ambitions. And so I think even just doing a visioning exercise like that can help people kind of unpack and start to realize that they have ambitions that are more holistic in nature. Um, I think looking at values also is another area where we look. And I know a lot of coaches focus there. They are really important and helpful to define for oneself and to unpack and better understand to help us make choices and guide um, what we might put into our into our life from an ambition perspective and to do so in a more holistic manner. So, 
you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things that I do with clients in terms of helping them reshape what that might look like, like getting more clear on, well, what's important in this life arc for you? How do you want to prioritize these? How important is work for you versus what's happening in your life? Um, There are a number of different exercises we go through to kind of help sharpen that and get clear. I feel like when someone says, what are your values? It feels, again, weighty and big. I think when someone says values, what has helped me is that I think about what kind of person do you want to be? And that's helped me. So I will say, I want to be an art, more artistic person. I want to be healthy. I want to be constantly learning and growing. And so when things cross my path, I can go, well, where, where does this fit in the kind of person that I want to be, which I feel like kind of fits with the values. And I also want to talk a little bit about what you also once told me is you have life ambitions and you have work ambitions, but you can't do it all, especially for women. Women are always trying to be like, how can I have life and work balance? How can I have children and a husband and a job and the hobbies and the thing? And you once told us about how you kind of have to give yourself permission to be bad at something. What does that mean when you say give yourself permission to not do it all, give yourself permission to be bad at something. Yeah, so there's two different things kind of in that. And I will just admit on this, you know, I this can be a controversial thing. Like I listen to other people getting interviewed where they're like, ah, oh, people shouldn't tell women that they can't have it all or that they shouldn't go after everything they want. And, you know, hey, if you think you can pull it off and you have the resources to put structures in place to support you, then by all means, try to do and have in your life what you want to have in your life. But I also think trying to do it all can wear you down. And it's, I, and I think it's a recipe for failure, you know, and for burnout. And so even for myself, I make choices. I was thinking about this today as I'm thinking about some of the things in my life where I recognize like I am investing more time now in my creative ambitions than I am in my athletic ambitions. And I miss my athletic ambitions, but honestly, I don't have time for that right now. So part of what you're bringing up is making choices about some things. And then the second thing you're bringing up is like allowing yourself to be bad at something. So I'll use athletics as an example in this, like these days, you know, I used to run marathons, I used to do, you know, triathlons, and I don't have the time and energy now to exercise like I used to. And so allowing myself to be kind of bad at exercise, but still doing exercise, but just not at the level that I used to do it, is what I mean by allowing yourself to just take things down a notch a little bit. Or the example I often like to give is around like making dinner. These days, I will just admit, I'm really bad at making dinner. I'm also really bad at cleaning my house, just honestly, because I'm prioritizing other areas where I'm putting my time. And as long as I have alignment with others in my life around, you know, where I feel like I can dial things down a bit. So I I know that, you know, be bad at something. Some people like that term and other people get triggered by it. I just mean, how can you let yourself off the hook, especially for those of us that have high bars for ourselves, that tend to have perfectionist tendencies? How can we just allow ourselves in certain areas to just dial it back some? And let that be okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I I do want to add, it's not just for the person or the woman that is high achieving, because I can I can see some people might hear it and say, well, you, Sonia and Kathy, you are speaking from a point of privilege. You have the opportunity to delegate to people, to take some time off, to do all these things. And I do want to say what you're saying is, all the way to go back to give yourself some grace. You know, if you're the single mom, if you have to work, you know, two jobs, know that you're a rock star and that you're doing everything you possibly can and that you can give yourself some grace to say, I don't have to do everything that society says I have to do. I am going to define success for myself. And I think that's what you're saying is it's not about being bad at something because you want to achieve and do as much as you can, but there's always that pressure to be over and above. And we, especially women, need to be able to give ourselves some grace and go, you know what? I'm a rock star. 
I'm doing amazing things and I'm doing the best that I can. And that's what, you know, my ambition is and that's how I'm going to sustain it. And you have to kind of give yourself a pat on the back and recognize all the amazing things that you're doing. So I, I completely get it. Thank you. Well, that was very beautifully <laughs> said, Sonia. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> I do want to pivot a little bit because I've known you for a while. And what I really appreciate about you is that you are a deep researcher and you put out um, the podcast, you're an author, you have a beautiful newsletter, but you're listening to podcasts, you're reading books, you're reading articles. And first of all, kind of where did this research part of you come from and how did it sustain you? Like, does it make you excited? How does it play a part in your world? This is central to who I am, I guess. This is one of my central values, which is I really value growth and learning. And so that's what fuels me to continually be researching and seeking out information. And so... Yeah, that's why I listen to podcasts or I'm kind of searching for information or constantly reading or it's one of the reasons I love having this podcast as well. You know, being able to learn from other people and be in conversation with people is just so rewarding for me. I just really absolutely love it. And I honestly, I think that that's one of the things that I've loved across my span of my career and, and in my work. I realized one of the my most favorite things to do is when I get to be in one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. And I realize it's because I just get to learn so much and I get to connect with people in, in a way and really honor what they're doing and who they are. But in that process, I also get to learn not just about themselves, but about other topics. And I, I just really love that. And all of this learning and growing has actually inspired you to write a new book. You're writing a book, Kathy. <laughs> Another one. So how? <laughs> I know, Sonia. <laughs> what oh, am I doing? <laughs> how, how is the book coming? The book is coming along. What I will tell folks, like if anybody has ever, you know, said like a book writing process is a long one, um, it is. It's definitely like taking from Dory Clark and her book, The Long Game. You need to have the long game in mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm making progress. I, I will say, uh, you know, uh, I might be a little behind, <laughs> but I'm making progress. I'm making progress. And I have some, you know, some deadlines and things in in front of me. One of the things I was going to also just share is like, you know, I'm drawn to this because, you know, it's also one of my values, which I like this what I term kind of like creative production, like I like doing creative things that like in producing kind of things. And and yet, one of the things I will say, and people have probably already heard this from other people who write, which is that it's kind of painful. <laughs> and so it's not always fun and games. Despite this being an ambition I really want, you know, it's not always enjoyable. And yet, for me, it's a reminder of some of the research that I've come across that that talks about this, that when we're actually leaning into our intrinsic motivators, it doesn't mean always that uh, it's always pleasurable. But when it's actually aligned to something that we're really attached to or committed to that is bigger than the task at hand, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you keep on going. So one, that's one of the things I'll just note about the writing experience. But um, overall, you know, I've learned so much going through this writing um, of the book and being able to be in various communities that I'm in. So it's really been an interesting, fun journey. And is that one of the topics that you plan to cover in the book is this idea of when you're going after something and it, it's personally meaningful to you, that it's not always easy? Is that something you plan to uncover or speak more about? It will definitely be in there. I don't know how deep I'll go into it, but it will, it will definitely be in there for sure. Did that resonate with it you? It did, because I think there is this kind of mentality that you're either all in and it's going to be a grind or YOLO, right? You only live once, just forget it. I quit. I'm out. Especially when you're thinking about COVID and going back to work and there's a war, there's things happening. And you're just like, why does everything have to be hard? Why does everything have to be so hard? 
you know, I'm tired of things being hard all around, but there's this idea of a context around some things that are meaningful to me. It's okay for it to be not easy. I guess maybe not hard, but also not easy. And to give yourself that understanding that there's a path forward to get to where you want. I think sometimes there's this hedonistic idea that everything should be great mm. because that's we should feel pleasure all the time. And so it's interesting that you brought up this idea that it it's not going to be easy. Yeah. And I think that attachment to that hedonistic pleasure is actually what can get us into trouble. And also because that hedonistic pleasure actually depreciates really quickly as well. I will say just to bring it's this is going to be even despite my saying that about what I'm about to just say is going to be sound very contradictory. And yet I really (laughs) believe it, which is, I think what's important, though, actually is to look for the small delights. I can actually today be writing, sitting in my backyard in the sun and kind of be grinding or struggling with what I'm trying to write. I was actually having fun today, but just to use this as an example, but I, in that same moment, can pause and delight at seeing a bird in my backyard and kind of seeing it, you know, doing what it's doing or seeing a butterfly or whatever it might be. And those small delights actually can help to you know, bring some joy in those small moments. And it doesn't take a lot to bring some lightness where there might have been some heaviness. This might come off wrong, but I get some pleasure in knowing that you are sort of struggling through the book and that you are taking (laughs) small pleasures and small delights because, you know, I know you as a friend, but when you hear Kathy Oneto, <laughs> and you hear Sustainable Ambition, the podcast, the books, the writing, it just feels so um, big and ambitious. <laughs> and it's nice to know that, you know, you are also saying, I, I, I have times where this feels like a lot. I grind, I struggle. And, you know, I imagine that you're somewhere in a, if I were listening, you're somewhere in this big studio, highly produced you know, lots of people around. What do, what does it look like for you? Is it all glitz and glamour? Or what does it look like on the other side of the microphone for all the people that have listened to over 100 episodes? Yes, should should I admit this? Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm in our um, makeshift, I'm in my makeshift studio that my husband has made up for me in one of our rooms in our house. And it's just like, it really is makeshift. I have to say, like, there's not enough room for an actual desk. So my husband's a woodworker. So he's like, makeshifted this table, you know, I have my microphone attached to um, a, a nightstand in the room. <laughs> and I have my ring light up. And so, and I have my background, you know, and my kind of painting up, you know, like, what's funny is when we need to use the room for something else, it has to go through its machinations, and we have to move things and put things aside. And so what we can do with technology these days. So mm-hmm. I love that, because it really just goes to show that we're all human, and that you can have big ambitions, and you can start small, and grow those ambitions over time. And you've grown sustainable ambition from, you know, an idea in your head. And it has become, you know, you've interviewed CEOs, professors, and so many different people. But you're also saying, I'm doing it from a house. I'm doing it from a makeshift desk. And if it just makes it sound like, well, if you can do it, we can we can all do it. it you have to start somewhere. You built it in a way that works for you. For sure, for sure. And many of us who, by the way, or who are doing this work, we do this work because we need it, you know? And I've, I've said before that, you know, it really was reflecting back on my entire adult life where I realized like, oh, I've been living a form of this or I've been in inquiry around this really from a young age since going away to college. And so it's kind of interesting to me. I never would have thought that. I did not connect those dots until I've kind of paused to reflect back. And so I'm right there with everybody else. You know, we're all, I'm creating this because I I need it too. Well, Kathy, this has been an amazing time. Thank you so much again for the honor and the privilege to ask you these questions. And as we round out, I want to ask you, what does sustainable ambition mean 
for you personally? So when I step back and think about what sustainable ambition means to me, it means so many things at this point, as we've kind of talked about. So I'll frame it this way, which is that I think it's about being ambitious across life and work and from decade to decade in a way that is fulfilling and satisfying to us individually, that aligns with our personal definition of success, and that we can go after those ambitions in a way that doesn't make us have to sacrifice our life or ourselves in the process. And so that's that's kind of how I think about it. For me personally, and right now, I think about it from a standpoint of, and these are kind of questions in terms of how I, I can come at this, which is, am I remaining engaged in activities across life and work that are fulfilling and satisfying to me? Am I being thoughtful about how I'm spending my time and energy against what's important to me now? And then am I really being thoughtful and intentional about sustaining myself as I do those things? So that's kind of what's present for me as I think about it for myself day to day right now. Well, thank you, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And we'll have to get together soon when we're back in the same city together. We absolutely do. Sonia, thank you so much for coming on, doing this with me, having this conversation. It was so wonderful. You did a beautiful job. You're such a great interviewer. See, (laughs) you really should start your own podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was fun to have the tables turn and be in conversation like that with Sonia. So wonderful to be recording just live and having a fun conversation with a friend. And I hope you learned a few new things from today's conversation. I'm curious for you, what might have called out to you from the conversation? And was there a new insight that caught your attention and perhaps you want to take action on as you move forward? As always, thank you for being here. My next episode will close out the year. And then the following after that will kick off 2024. It's really hard to believe. But in the meantime, let the holiday festivities begin. Happy holidays, everyone. And I know we're living in a troubled world right now. And so my hope for all of you is that you can find some peace and joy for yourself in your tiny corner of the world. Take care and be well all. 